Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to Season 2 of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sunday, July 25th, the year of our Lord, 2021. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women, and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the Word of God. Ladies, have you ever faced a circumstance or a situation that involved a threat on your life, like an illness or an assault or some other circumstance? Did that circumstance cause you to feel isolated and hopeless? When you faced your life-threatening situation, did you get wrapped up in concern, worry, and fear? Were you overwhelmingly distressed? Feeling hopeless, fearful, and distressed breaks our spirit. But the good news is, we can mend our broken spirit by exercising our faith over fear and placing our faith, our trust, in God. When we come back, we're going to study Psalms 3, the first prayer of distress. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today, we are looking at Psalms 3, the first prayer of distress. It is the prayer that David prayed to God when he was on the run from his son Absalom, who sought to kill him. Our scripture reading is taken from Psalms chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. I will be reading from the King James Version of the Bible if you want to follow along with the scripture reading. The text of Psalms 3 begins with the introductory title, A Psalm of David When He Fled from His Son Absalom. Now reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, David prays, Lord, How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awake, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. 
for thou hast smitten my all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Amen. Ladies, last week, as we began our study in the book of Psalms, I explained that there are four major types of Psalms, including one, hymns of the community, two, thanksgiving hymns of the individual, three, community laments, and four, individual laments. And I said that laments express deep sorrow and ask God's blessing or God's intervention. Well, Psalms 3 is an individual lament where David appears to God for deliverance from a life-threatening situation. The text of Psalms 3 begins with the introductory title, A Psalm of David When He Fled from His Son Absalom. This is the first title to a psalm in the Psalter, and it contains a number of other important firsts, including number one, this is the first time the word psalm appears. The Hebrew word for psalm is mizmor, which means a poem to be sung to a musical accompaniment. Two, this is the first poem that names David as the author. In general, the Psalms ascribed to David occur in the first two books of the Psalter. That would be Psalms 1 through 72. Remember last week, I shared with you that the book of Psalms is divided into five sections and each closed with a doxology or a benediction. And the five sections were probably meant to copy the five-fold divisions of the Torah, which is the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, namely Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The five sections or books of the book of Psalms are as follows. Book one is Psalms 1 through 41. Book two is Psalms 42 through 42. 42 through 72. Book three is Psalms 73 through 89. Book four is Psalms 90 through 105. And book five is Psalms 107 through 150. So again, the Psalms ascribed to David occur in the first two books of the Psalter. That would be Psalms 1 through 72. The third first in the title of this poem is that it is the first psalm that is given a historical setting. Specifically, it says, when he, that would be David, fled from his son Absalom. So this title appears before verse one of the psalm. And since the title of the psalms are in the canonical text of the Hebrew Bible. I think that this historical setting should be taken seriously. And we're going to talk about it as we unpack the Psalms. 
which arises out of a situation in David's life that the title alludes to and which might allude to a situation in our life as well. So let's unpack Psalms 3. The situation that the title alludes to tells of the events recorded in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 18, which tells of the rebellion of David's son Absalom against him. And this brings about a strong reaction because apart from Jesus, David is universally regarded as the greatest king of Israel. However, in many ways, his reign as king involved crisis after crisis after crisis. We're not going to get into all of the crises because that is not what this psalm is about. But one crisis that is important to our study today involves David's own son who started a civil war against him, tried to kill him and take the throne from him. That's pretty ruthful, ruthless for a son to attack his father. And it is the backdrop of this Song of Psalm 3. The events regarding Absalom's rebellion are recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 53, but the heart of David during this challenging period of time is recorded for us and Psalms 3, the prayer of distress. So let's examine it beginning with verses 1 and 2, which say, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help from him in God. Selah. At the writing of the psalm, David recognized that he was in a tremendous amount of trouble. And at the beginning of the psalm, he cried out to the Lord, to Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, his shepherd, and said, many are they that rise up against me. Absalom had led what appeared to be a successful rebellion against his father, David. And Absalom, along with all of David's previous friends and associates, were relentlessly pursuing him. And they were saying concerning David, there is no hope for him in God. Selah. David's situation was so bad that the people believed he was beyond God's help. They did not believe that God was able to help David. The truth is that God has the power to help whoever he pleases, whenever he pleases. But the people had looked at David's past sins and determined that God was unwilling to intervene on David's behalf and that he was getting just what he deserved. You see, David, David has sinned with Bathsheba or sinned against David. Bathsheba, not only engaging in sexual relations with her, but he committed adultery because she was a married woman. He schemed to cover up his sins, and when his schemes failed, he had Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed on the battlefield. Then he married her. This was a terrible scandal during David's reign, and David's enemies assumed that because David had committed such awful sins, that God had turned his back on David and that there was no help for him in God. Isn't 
isn't that a terrible assumption to make? That someone has been so sinful that God has no desire to help them even in life-threatening situations. If that assumption were true, then we could do nothing at all, that we could do nothing at all to lose God's help. Let me say, I think I got that twisted. If that assumption is true, that we can do anything at all to lose God's help, then we have lost everything. Because without God's help, without his intervention, our life, in our life, what else do we have? So not only is this a horrible crisis for David with his son Absalom, but everything that flows from it is equally horrific, especially what the people are saying. There is no help for him in God. Selah. Selah is a Hebrew word found at the ending of verses in the Psalms and has been interpreted as an instruction that calls for a break in the singing of the Psalm, or it means forever. Lady, has has anyone ever told you that there is no hope for you? That God is so angry at you because of some terrible sin you have committed that he will not help you in times of trouble, even when your life is being threatened? Those words, there is no help for him and God, must have weighed heavily on David's heart. But he does not accept it, praise the Lord. In verse 3 and 4, we see how David responded to this negative commentary. He said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. I love that. My glory and the lifter up of my head. Isn't that wonderful? He says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. Isn't that beautiful? And this is what we should say. When we find ourselves in a situation even remotely similar to David's, when the people said, God does not want to help David, God has given up on David. David refused to accept that. And instead of conversing with the people who said there is no help for him in God, David went directly to God in prayer and said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he cried and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. David knew that God, what God had done for him in the past, he knew what God was able to do for him in that moment. And in the midst of this distressing situation, David refused to allow the people to diminish his confidence in a forgiving God, a God he knew to be loving and merciful. David knew that even though the people were saying God had given up on him, if he cried out to God, God would help him and be his shield. And David needed a shield because he was under attack by some ruthless, cunning enemies and in need of God's protection. Notice that David did not ask 
for God's protection from his enemies. But he made a strong declaration say, saying, thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. And he does not stop there. He says, God is my glory and the lifter up of my head. That's amazing. God, David is acknowledging God as the one who put him up on higher ground and lifted up his head. And in so doing, he gave God glory. David's circumstance was not an uplifting situation and there was nothing glorious about it, but there was something glorious in uplifting God. Many people find glory in material things like title, status, position, money, fame, etc. But David found glory in God and we, my sisters, need to find our glory in God. While other people boast of their achievements, their beauty, their wealth, we as believers should find in God what the world finds in those things. David continues in verse four saying, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. This is interesting to me because a lot of people cry to God in silence. You know, when your heart is so overwhelmed with pain and you feel like you just need a moment and all you can do is moan and weep tears in silence, God does hear our silent prayers, but it is better to cry out to the Lord with your voice because God wants to hear us cry out to him with our voice. He wants to hear it understand that there are times when all we can do is moan before God and lay our heart bare before him in unspoken prayer. But David said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. To me, this is so beautiful because other people were so sure that God had given up on David, but David could confidently say, I cried out to the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. Absalom had kicked David out of the palace and the capital city and taken over Jerusalem. But David looked back at the holy hill, which was Jerusalem. And he knew that God was still on the throne. How powerful is this? Verses six and seven says, I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. You might think that with all the conflict, the threats and impending danger surrounding David in his time of crisis, that David would be unable to get a good night's sleep and that he would be unable to sleep at all, but not so. David said, I laid me down and slept. Now, if this is not evidence of God's blessing on David, I don't know what is. Sleep is a blessing. It was a blessing to David because he was under such intense pressure from the rebellious situation that surrounded him. For many people in this situation, sleep would be impossible. 
but God gave him the gift of sleep. Psalms 55 and 2 says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. David said he laid down and slept. And I think we all know that sleep, rest is restorative physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The blessing and the miracle were not that only that David slept, but that the next morning he awoke because many people wondered if David would live to see another day. But God sustained him and he sustains me and you. Think about it. When we sleep, we are unconscious, dead to the world, not thinking about breathing or about our heart pumping blood through our body or the functionings of our internal organs, but they all work. We sleep, we breathe, our heart pumps and our organs function because God sustains us. That is why David, when he woke up, praised God in verse six and said, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people that have set themselves against me round about. David knew the truth of Romans 8.31, which says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Finally, verse 7 and 8 says, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. David's mind was both on what he trusted God to do, save him, and on what God had done for him, smitten all of his enemies and broken the teeth of the ungodly. Ladies, David remembered what God had done in the past, and that gave him confidence in what God would do in the present moment. It is important that when we face, we are faced with a circumstance or a situation that involves a threat on our life or challenges us that we not be overcome by the situation, but instead take a step back and remember the many times God brought you through and proved himself faithful and preserved you. And remembering all that God had done for us, we should have hope great hope and great confidence that the Lord has preserved us for a future. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the word of God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Sure, There's been some unanswered prayers and some disappointments, but hasn't God come through for you time and time again? Hasn't God given you victories in days gone by? Knowing what God has done should give us confidence about what God is able to do and will do for us in the future.
This is why David begins verse seven with the words, arise, O Lord, which are the words of Moses and Numbers chapter 10, verse 35, when the children of Israel broke camp in the wilderness. It was a military phrase that called on God to defend Israel and lead them to victory. Here, David is calling on God to lead him in battle, to defend him and lead him to victory. We can use this same battle cry when our life is being threatened as well. Arise, O Lord. Verse 8 says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. This final verse in Psalms 3 is David's, excuse me, and verse 8 is David's testimony that from the Lord comes deliverance followed by a blessing. And it brings to mind Jonah chapter two, verse nine, which says, salvation is from the Lord. And of course, this is true because God is the author of salvation from beginning to end. Praise God, because if he were not, no one would be saved. But salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Ladies, when we face life-threatening situations, feelings of hopelessness, fear, and distress can break our spirit. But we can mend our broken spirit by exercising our faith over fear and placing our trust in the God of our salvation. God has saved us, so there is no reason for us to tremble or fear the lesser physical dangers of life, no matter how imposing or frightening they may be, but rather we triumph in faith. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, please send whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a nonprofit religious organization, P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. And don't forget to check in on Facebook Live today at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you.